broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. Watch this really cool video. Um, I don't know if you saw it. The NFL just uh, just put it out uh, not too long ago, but it was uh, Aaron Donald walking out the field with Von Miller. And Aaron Donald is like thanking Von Miller uh, for everything that he did for him, you know, when he got to Los Angeles. But more than anything, for urging him and giving him the confidence to be a leader and to speak up uh, and to be that kind of a guy. And, um, you know, we heard this last week talking to some people, um, you know, associated with the Rams who had heard the same thing. And that Von, when I covered the Rams, Aaron Donald, there's not a nicer guy in the world than Aaron Donald, but he's like a very low-key, hard hat, bring your lunch pail to work kid from Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was just a grinder. For all the stardom and everything like that, that's that's what he was. So talking and everything wasn't really his thing, you know? And he never really felt comfortable doing it. And here comes Von Miller telling him, dude, this is your team. This is your locker room. This is your defense. They're going to listen to you, man. You have earned that respect. And it brought him out of that shell. And as they're walking off the field, Aaron Donald is telling him, thank you for that. Uh, go go ahead, Demond. I was just going to play it because I Oh, yeah, let's go. Either. Yeah, go for it. You talk to me, I listen. It's God's You talk about being a better leader, I listen. You said I didn't hear my voice, I listen. It means the world, bro. I think it's important to bring this up because we all think and assume that everybody has this supreme confidence level in themselves uh, and this comfort in, uh, level in themselves to just talk and lead and, you know, be outspoken and, and doing all of those things. You know, you see Aaron Donald and you see what he does on the football field. Uh, and you would just assume probably, you know, that in the locker room, he's the leader and he's the vocal guy and he's the lightning rod and all of that. But he was actually uncomfortable doing that. And it probably surprises a lot of people. But, the, uh, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me anymore because I get to know these people as human beings and everyone's different. And here was this quiet kid from Pittsburgh who needed Von Miller, of all people, one of the greats of all time who will be going to the Hall of Fame coming to that team mid-season and watching for a little while and then going up to Aaron Donald's like, dude, this is your team. Be comfortable with it and accept that, and they're going to listen. And I, and I always felt with Aaron, he probably didn't, what do I have to say? Who, who's going to listen to me? You know, like you would be shocked, but guys actually think of that the, along those terms, even at that kind of a stature. And he needed a great player like, Von Miller to tell him, no, 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 you don't get it. These guys want you to lead. They want to listen. They look up to you. Be comfortable with that. And it's really kind of a beautiful thing when when stuff like that happens because we just assume because they're out there doing their thing and making all these tackles and sacks and being great, and he is a great player, that they've got it together in all other aspects. And yet here's Aaron Donald who just didn't have the necessary confidence in himself to lead. Go ahead, Devon. And I also think that that goes to show getting players in that have been there before. Because oh, you yes. always hear act like you've been there before. Right. But for some people, I haven't been there before. Exactly. A lot of players. So when you get someone in, not only is he an all-time great himself, he's been there before. He's been Super Bowl MVP. He knows exactly 
what he's looking for. He knows what a championship team takes to get to that level. Right, and it and it ta- you know who had that kind of effect this year for the Raiders? Unique Ngakwe. He's not Aaron, you know, he's not Von Miller, but he's damn good. We all know, and we saw firsthand the minute he showed up, like, okay, this dude is separate. He, he's different, just athletically, all of that. But the effect that he had on a Max Crosby to give him the confidence, like, remember, you know, Unique comes in and is like, dude, we're going to be the best rush tandem in the NFL. And he was pretty darn close to being that would turn out to be the case. And if you're Max Crosby and you're hearing a great player like Unique Ngakwe talk to you about you along those lines, it's only going to help your confidence. The fact that Aaron Donald needed to hear it from somebody else like, uh, you know, Von Miller is kind of crazy when you think about it, but it's not as crazy as you think. And sometimes we all need that push. And it has to be sometimes from the right person uh, to get you to think and see yourself the way others are seeing you. And, it ha- and but but it has to be somebody that you respect that it's coming from them. And it really unleashed Aaron Donald. You saw it on the sidelines against the San Francisco 49ers when he grabbed that team, uh, that defense, and said, "We got to go win this." And he was you know in the middle of that of that whole thing. He wouldn't have done that last year. He probably wouldn't have done it in game one of this year. But Von Miller comes in and says, dude, you're that guy, so be comfortable in being that guy. It's really cool. I love to see stuff like that. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Jeremiah is on the line. How you doing, Jeremiah? I'm doing all right, you guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm actually calling to piggyback off the last two callers. Um, one thing I keep asking everybody who is hating on Derek Carr is the every other great quarterback has one thing that this guy has never had. And it's consistency. You know, the Raiders organization has not shown him consistency. I, I really did. There was a part of me that thought he was leaving this year because he, he hasn't had that. And then look, when he does start to get it, what happens? And everything falls apart. But you're talking about having role models and everything else. So every one of those guys were, were following D.C., Josh Jacobs, and you know, Max Crosby, Unique Ngakwe, because they were leading him out of there. So honestly, what more could you want? When I started being a fan of this team, it wasn't broken like this. It didn't matter who had that jersey on. You know, we were rooting for them constantly. That black hole was unstoppable. You know, and it, it, this whole being separated, it doesn't matter. Give the guy a chance. Give him some consistency. Give him a little bit, and I guarantee he is more than capable of taking us to the Super Bowl. I do believe he is better than Matt Stafford. I think the Rams went and put an entire regime behind him because they had faith in him, and look what he could do. You know, he wasn't the best quarterback in the NFL this year. Not by a long shot. Yeah, uh, and it was a great point, Jeremiah. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Stafford wasn't the best quarterback by a long shot. You're you're absolutely 1,000% right, and he didn't need to be. And you know what? Sometimes when the Rams put it too much on his on his plate, um, you know, and there were, t- there were times this year uh, where they did, the guy threw an interception in six straight games, and I want to say he threw a pick six in three straight games. Like he something something happened where that was that started to happen and it kind of uh, you know contributed to a three game losing streak that the Rams had. 
part of the reason was I think they just were putting a little too much on the plate and relying on them too much and sort of abandoning the run game along the way. But even that showed you that even great quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford is a borderline great quarterback, everybody needs help. And you have to coach to the strength of your players, but also, you know, be aware of maybe the the obviously some of the some of the not so strong points of their game and coach around that. That's the epitome of coaching. And so, you know, when when it kind of got away from the Rams a little bit this year, where they were getting a little bit out of whack in terms of their balance, it Matthew Stafford it suffered a little bit. And then when they got back that equilibrium uh, and got back that balance, he got back to being a good, competent, um, highly effective, efficient quarterback. And there were only a couple of blips along, uh, you know, the, the the way in their run to the Super Bowl in the postseason. They have stopped turning the ball over. Uh, in fact, if I have a, a dollar for every time I heard in the press box going into that game, talking to some, uh, you know, uh, players, ex-players that are commentating, hey, if Matthew Stafford, as long as he doesn't throw – uh, a couple of interceptions, they should win this game. He threw one. It was kind of a 50-50 deal uh, between the wide receiver and himself. Uh, not the best throw, but the wide receiver probably could have gotten it. But anyway, uh, he avoided all the turnovers that he was that that he was that were plaguing him uh, at some points during the regular season. The Rams got back to being a really good football team, and I think that Derek Carr, if he's if it's not a toss up between him and Matthew Stafford, it's pretty darn close. But it's close enough. That if he has the right team around him, he can win big. And I, I love this. Well, he can't play under pressure. Then, then get an offensive line that helps him, that protects him. Because I'll tell you this, when he is protected, he's as good as anybody. It's not always going to be perfect, obviously. And he's shown uh, from time to time, especially this year, if he has to, um, you know, uh, you know, put the skates on and go, you know, create some room and create an open, you know, throwing window. He's fully capable of doing that. He can't do it all the time, but very few quarterbacks can. So if you want the great Derek Carr, you have to build a good offensive line and a supporting running game and, and put good players around him. And I think the Raiders are close to doing that. It'll be interesting to see what they do on the offensive line because if they can get that turned around, watch out. Watch out. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Ryan is in New Jersey. Ryan in Jersey, how you doing? What's going on, big guy? I never listened to your guys' show before. This is my first time, so uh, awesome. But, Love it, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you know, when I was when I heard um, Ziegler and McDonald or McDaniel's press conference, Mark Davis said in the press conference, "This isn't a rebuild." And um, you know, apparently Derek Carr's first choice at head coach was McDaniel's. And um, I don't, I don't really think McDaniel's wanted to go into this with uh, Ziegler not extending Carr's contract, with um, especially with how close the Raiders are and um, almost beating the Bengals that made it to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I also take into consideration McDaniels doesn't want to go into this knowing that he, back when he signed with the Broncos, he traded Jay Cutler and got Tebow. Um, so I think this all just stems back to, you know, him learning and him looking at Carr. And, um, you know, Derek Carr's asking roughly about $40 million per season, I believe it was. 
and um, and that was and that was in the range. That wasn't even an exact number. That just said you know forty million per season range. So what if he's asking forty five? You know, but eh, he said that I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't worry about that. But go ahead. Oh, I mean, you know, he said that he wants to take a pay cut. So I mean, how much? You know, how much of a pay cut are you willing to take? Especially if you know you're talking about getting Devonte Adams. Right. He's not going to take a – okay, so keep in mind that he's making $20 million going into next year. He's not going to take a pay cut from that. Uh, it's already a huge bargain for the Raiders at $20 million a year. But if, you know, for argument's sake, let's say you tack on, if you're the Raiders, two years at $40 million per year to take you through 2022, 2023, 2024, three years, um, and and those the, the 2023 and 2024 contracts were for forty thousand dollars, forty million dollars a year, forty thousand, <laughs> forty million dollars a year. Uh, that would make it a three-year, one hundred million dollar deal. And if you do, if you divide that by three, that's thirty-three million dollars a year on average salary. That's suitable. Um, I'm not sure that that's exactly how it's going to go down, but I would venture to say something close to that is going to go down. I don't think it's going to be any more than that. Um, but right around there is a safe place for the Raiders and a safe place of, you know, for, for Derek Carr. And it allows them to you remember the salary cap is going to go up this year. It will go up again next year. God willing that there's no pandemic or any catastrophe or anything like that. Uh, it will go up again for the 2024 season. So, you know, you can start thinking along those lines again. Uh, we got away from that a little bit where not only did it not go up for the 2021 season, it actually drastically went down and that threw everything kind of out of whack. Uh, but we're back on pace now for it to continue the growth that it normally does. Uh, and so you're going to get to a point where in 2024, that salary cap will probably be around $225 million or so. Uh, and at that point, $40 million you, to one player. And then you have, what, uh, 100 and some odd million dollars, now $185 million to build out the rest of your team. Come on. That ought to be able – that's doable. You can do it. There's really smart people in that Raider organization that know how to work the salary cap. They've got one of the best in the business that's doing it. So um, there's ways to be able to build around a quarterback making $40 million a year. And I guarantee you this, in 2024, $40 million a year is going to look like a bargain. Again, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson for that caliber of a quarterback. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Cisco, Raider J uh, Jane. Or Raider Tone, I'm sorry, and Bernard, we are going to be getting back to you, getting to you guys uh, when we get back. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Raider Cisco is next up on the Raider Nation listener line. How you doing, Raider Cisco? I'm doing good, Vinny. Thanks for taking my call. You got it, brother. Hey, I'm excited about uh, our new uh, coaches. I'm, the way I look at it, our new defensive coach, he was, what, top 10, number 7 in red zone defense? Yep. And right our on. new offensive coach, sorry about that, brother. Yeah, you go for it. Go for it. And then our new offensive coordinator, uh, you just said he was, what, number 7 or something like that in a... Uh, 
top ten also in red zone offense. Yep. I mean, that's good eight, ten plus points right there. Instead of field goals, instead of giving touchdowns, we're giving field goals. Instead of us kicking field goals, we're scoring touchdowns. I mean, I'm excited. I just can't wait to see what they can do with the two tight end, just like they had with Gronk and Hernandez. We got the same people right there throwing Edwards. We got three big bodies right there in the red zone. And our and our tailbacks, uh, I'm excited. I can't wait. I uh, appreciate the call, Raider Cisco. Yeah, the Raiders were dead, or the Raiders were 29th in red zone touchdown scoring percentage last year. Uh, I think 49% of the time when they got in the red zone, they scored touchdowns. That was 29th in the NFL. The Patriots were 7th at 63%. So you do the math. Uh, that's a pretty big difference 7th to 29th, 63% to 49%. And uh, obviously, Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator of those Patriots, but also the new offensive coordinator for the Raiders, Mick um, Lombardi, who was the wide receivers coach last year for the Patriots, was in charge of the red zone game planning. Um, You know, these things are so complex when you talk about game planning and putting things together. Um, there's multiple people that are doing multiple things. Now, obviously, Bill Belichick was oversaw everything. Josh McDaniels, obviously, um, was the offensive coordinator. Uh, but when it came down to each week game planning for the specific area of the field, the red zone, that was Mick Lombardi's, um, you know, uh, assignment for the Patriots last year. And the combination of what he was able to put together, the plays that then Josh McDaniels called uh, in those situations, and then obviously the execution of Mac Jones and the Patriots offense created a very strong team in the red zone. If you can recreate that here uh, with the Raiders, then you know uh, improvement could happen or should happen, really. And I would say this. I would imagine that Josh McDaniels has a heck of a lot more confidence in Derek Carr than he did in Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback last year. That's not to take anything away from Mac Jones, um, who can go on to have a tremendous career. But right now, Derek Carr is just a better quarterback than Mac Jones. And there's more things that he can do with the ball in the passing game and in that area of the field um, than Mac Jones last year. So with a rookie quarterback, they were able to achieve a, a, a pretty good mark, a really good mark in the red zone compared to the 29% uh, that the Raiders achieved last year. Some of it's going to obviously come down to personnel decisions. you got to block it up better. You can't have penalties. The Raiders continually shot themselves in the foot on the penalties um, and mistakes uh, in that area of the field. That's where – that's money time, man. When you get to that point of the, of the football field, you got to lock in – and get it done. It's all about efficiency, and the last thing you can do is self-inflicted wounds, and we saw that all too too often. So that's going to be an area that uh, above and beyond the actual game planning and the creativity uh, and creating favorable matchups in the red zone, what this coaching staff needs to do is get them locked down in terms of the efficiency. Raider Tone is, oh, uh, Bernard is on the line. How you doing, Bernard? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing really well, Bernard. Hey, Vinny, real, I want to say Derek Carr is definitely just as good as Stafford. I mean, you said it's crazy how how eerily similar their, their careers are. Mm-hmm. And both in, in, in their leadership ways also, Stafford never complained while he was in Detroit. Yep. And that organization was a mess. 
And Derek Carr can easily just be like, I want to get out of here. I mean, he's been on an old, I think one year the Raiders were old and 11, and they finally won a game. He's had all these coordinators and coaches, and the, the organization has been a mess. So Stafford got put in the perfect situation. You tell me if they pluck Derek Carr from the Raiders and just say put him on, on, a, on a Titans team this year. The Titans most likely would probably be in the Super Bowl or, you know, this year. So he just needs a stable situation. And I hope he has a little bit more patience, you know, bless him because he's been as patient as any top-notch quarterback can be. But this is probably the best situation that he's been in since he's been with the, been with the Raiders. And he still has a lot of football to play. So to just for everybody to pout on him, it's getting kind of old, but at the same time, it's just because as Raider fans, we've seen him over and over and over again. But he plays his butt off, man, every year, and he tries to do as much as he can. And look, like you said earlier, too, when Beckham went out of that game, Stafford, that, that high-powered offense, just he got throttled down big time. And Derek Carr was out his top weapons basically for the whole year dang, dang there, you know, with Ruggs out and Waller, and he still got this team to the playoffs. So, just give this man some help and see what he can do with a full team, all three phases of the game. And it's the defense and red zone and our kicker, our punter. We, we, we sit there. We need to get our red zone defense and our red zone offense in place. And this team is definitely can win another 10, 11, 12 games maybe next year. Yeah, so uh, put it all on one man. Right, uh, absolutely. Great call, uh, Bernard. Um, you know, you bring up what happened to the Rams in that Super Bowl when Odell Beckham uh, went out. I don't know why fans just think that you can just replace somebody with somebody. It doesn't work that way. You're talking about Odell Beckham, okay, who is one of the great wide receivers, really, of his generation. And even he proves that you need good teammates around you because – after Eli Manning left the scene in New York, Odell Beckham was not the same wide receiver. It's, it just doesn't work that way. You have to have somebody that is good at their position that you're playing alongside. Then he goes to Cleveland, and I'm sorry, but Baker Mayfield, is he's mm, uh, mm, all right. mid. Right. Right. And I, hey, I'll even give I'll even give it. If he was hurt, he was hurt, uh, and and I'll, I'll I'll give him that point. But he's just I don't think he's been that good of a quarterback. Period. So you look at Odell, who was playing his best football down the stretch for the Rams once he got comfortable. I remember uh, you know hearing hearing Cooper Cup talk about that and Matthew Stafford about how you know usually you have an off season, usually you have. Uh, you know, OTAs and training camp to digest an offense, to get, um, you know, uh, a command of things. Here's Odell coming in there, you know, just parachuting in midseason, uh, if, if not beyond. And there was never the plan for him to be a, a total focal point. That was Robert Woods. Remember, the, Raiders, the Rams lost Robert Woods. And the day after... They signed Odell Beckham. Literally the day after, he blows out his knee, Robert Woods, in a non-contact drill uh, at practice. And all of a sudden, everything got taken up another notch with Odell. It went from luxury to, dude, we need you now. And they had to fast feed uh, him throughout the rest of the season to get him to the point where he ended up getting to. And he was becoming... A really good... He was on his way to win an MVP, Devon, I thought, in the Super Bowl. I thought that he was headed there right oh yeah 56 yards a touchdown 
And if he doesn't blow out his knee there, Stan Kroenke pay for some grass, why don't you? <laughs> but, you know, he was all, he was making a catch there. And it helped because you have a great quarterback in Matthew Stafford. You have Cooper Cup, who is getting bracketed all over the field. And so that's opening up things. That's why it's such a, uh, a puzzle. Football is such a puzzle that, you know, when you add and when you keep adding better pieces to that puzzle, it just helps the whole operation. So when he went down, now, all of a sudden, all the focus goes on uh, Cooper Cup, really, and other players have to kind of step up. But they're, if you're not— Nobody stepped up. No, it was just Cooper Cup. There's nobody—because, because you know, Van Jefferson is a good player. You know, he's a young player. He's he'll, he'll Van Jefferson, which is that 2-2 two, two Atwell? And Ben, two, yeah, two he's not there yet. Uh, the, the kid, but I'm saying, like, the, the, are these the, the other exactly. options? Where I know that— You know what I'm saying. Yes, but and I don't know. I cannot think of his name right now. But the Dean Fism coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. I know that football is not this simple. It is not Madden. Right. But I would. It would just be three three players. Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah. That's what should have been happening. Right. Exactly. Odell's out of the game. But he, yes. Yeah. It just. It's so funny because they were doing that and doing it rather successfully up until the moment of truth, and that's when Cooper stepped up. That's when Aaron Donald stepped up. Uh, great players making great plays when great plays are needed. It's just. Um, it sounds like a cliche, but you have to have that happen in order to win uh, that kind of a game. But the po- the bigger point of it all is the Rams took a step back offensively when Odell um, goes off the field. And all of a sudden, you got to figure out a difference. That's what I love about football is that sometimes you're just going to have to, all right, what do we do now? How do we get it done now? And there's no time to dwell on it, think about it, fret about it. Uh, you got to just figure it out. And it took them a little while. Uh, to do it and good for good on them, um, I should say, or fortunate for them. They had a defense in Aaron Donald and Von Miller and all those guys that that were able to hold down the fort. There was a period of time in that game where the Bengals punted it four times and then gave it up on downs. That was their last five possessions. Without that defensive effort, you know what the biggest you know as we're as we're talking about this, uh, uh, Demond. Really, the biggest sequence of the game, or one of the biggest sequences of the game, was after Stafford throws that interception. If the Bengals score a touchdown, game over. But what happens? I think they sacked Stafford three straight times, and Aaron Donald gets one of them to knock him into you know out of touchdown. Then they had to kick the field goal, and that was it. That saved the day for the Rams, and the Bengals didn't score another point from that point on. So again. We look at the quarterback, and obviously the quarterback is a huge deal. Um, you have to have a good quarterback, period, exclamation point. And there's only, of the 32 that are doing it at any given time, there's probably about 18, 15 or so that, that are capable of, of getting the team to the, to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. I happen to think that Derek Carr is one of those 15 to 18 on any given year. Well, yeah, you got to find the guy, but you don't know if you have that guy until the perfect situation is put around him because there are no lucky champions. I think if the Bengals would have won this game, that would have been the first team in a while where it's just like, man, don't know how they pulled this off. Right. And, and well, they obviously had a, they would have had a great quarterback, young quarterback. Yes, but people still, like all the holes that yes. this team had. Yeah. Like, how do you win a Super Bowl? Like, yeah, how do you win a Super Bowl with this offensive line? You know how the NFL is a copycat league? Right. Would other teams be like, hey, we get enough weapons? And what ended up happening? What <laughs> let's let's be honest. What ended up being their demise? That offensive line. Right. Can't get can't get a, can't push forward on third and one. Right. I know Aaron Donald. You can't protect all-time. the quarterback. Yes. 
Also, what did he sack seven times? Listen, if 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 they had an offensive line, they're not running it on third and one right there. They're throwing it because they feel like they can protect it. Their concern on third and one was getting sacked and making it fourth and seven or something like that. They felt like at that point, that's how bad the offensive line was playing, that you almost had to do what you um, don't really want to do. You want to throw it right there. And they, but they, but they didn't feel good about protecting him because they kept getting sacked. What did Joe Lewis said? You could run, but you can't hide. And eventually, your weakness is going to be your demise. And that offensive line ended up being their demise. And then, and then, what did we talk about? You know, uh, leading up to the game, Demond Tennessee sacked him nine times. They just didn't have the offense to because yes, yeah, just didn't capitalize on those yeah. moments that you need. Right. Exactly, and the Rams did it one. Was able to do it that one time where they were given the opportunity to do it, and they, and they and they sealed the deal. But if the if the Bengals have a better offensive line, they win that game, especially after Odell went out. Had Odell stayed on the field, it could have been a track meet. I mean, I, I think the they, they just couldn't figure out how to stop him and Cooper Cup. So, uh, that, but that, but that's a football game, and you have to overcome. Because and, I'm sure, so I'm sure some Rams fans were getting a little scared oh, after that yeah. deep bomb down to T. Higgins. Right, right. And you know, for Bengal fans, I get it, and I understand the complaint that you know the the referees sort of changed the uh, strike zone there at the end and started calling uh, penalties that they weren't calling earlier in the game. But let me say this: the face mask on T. Higgins. Yes. That wasn't – they didn't stuff the the flag in their pocket. They just missed it. It was a blown call. If they had seen it, that's not one that they were going to let go. They just missed it. I don't know how he missed it, but he did. Uh, it happens in football. But to me, it kind of all evened out right there. Uh, and, and to me, the better team won the game. And no disrespect to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, but the point of today and what we've been talking about all day – uh, a is you know Derek Carr and you know a contract extension, which I expect will happen uh, at some point this off season. Uh, I think that it's how soon do you think that's a priority? Yeah, because we haven't talked about that. Pro- like, when do you think the deal needs to be to get done? Because you got the draft coming up soon, you got free agency coming up soon. I'm not saying that it needs to happen tomorrow this week, but when right. is like the ideal? It needs to happen by at least this point in the off season. Um, I'd have to do some checking around to see if it helps. To do it before free agency or after free agency period is over because, you know, how does it affect? It might help the salary cap. I mean, you could probably restructure the contract. Again, I'm not an expert on this type of stuff, but you could probably structure the contract. Maybe that gives them some relief this year. Like uh, that's where cash comes into play. You can convert, you know, salary into into hard cash. Uh, so that you um, that you preserve some of the salary cap for this year, maybe drop this year's salary down a little bit by paying it in cash up front. There's ways to do it, but I'd have to figure out, uh, um, and I'll get back to you on, on that uh, tomorrow, what makes better sense to do it after everything is all said and done, uh, right before training camp um, or you know in training camp. I, I, I have a hard time believing that it'll get to training camp. Oh no! Then that'd be that stir up the drama. That's of the story. Oh no! Oh, he doesn't right. have a deal. And I don't think I don't think they would want to do that either because no. it does sound a bad look. Yeah, I think it's. I think I think that. 
I think both sides are motivated to get something done for all the reasons that we've been talking about today. It just makes sense. It 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 it, it reduces all uncertainty from the team's perspective. Now they have certainty, cost certainty, um, and security at the quarterback, all important quarterback position for the next three years or so, however long the contract ends up being. Derek Carr doesn't have to come to training camp with that hovering over his head or that concern. There's no. Is he going to hold out? Is he going to play? All the drama gets taken out of it. And again, if for some reason by the end of the 2022 season, both the team and Derek Carr feel like, you know what, it's just not a good fit. I don't expect that to happen, by the way. But if it did, the Raiders would have a tradable asset under control for the next couple of years. That's an attractive trade piece for another team and so that they would be able to get some value. That's as opposed to letting him play this season, and then maybe letting him walk at the end of the season. And somebody brought up, well, couldn't they just franchise tag him? If you're not comfortable with extending him, why would you give him the franchise tag after the 2022 season? That doesn't – and pay him 20 – some. It's, it'll probably be 25. It'll probably go up, so maybe about, let's say, $30 million. Why would you do that? If, you, if, if, if you're concerned enough about it that you don't want to sign into an extension, why the heck would you give him – uh, the franchise tag and and pay him. It just, it, it, I I I think it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but um, but uh, you know we'll see. And the whole point of that again is Derek Carr is good enough. If you build a team around him to get a team not just to the playoffs, but I believe to the Super Bowl. Now getting to the Super Bowl is really hard. It takes all kinds of luck. You want to talk about luck? The Rams probably aren't in the Super Bowl if the San Francisco 49ers safety or cornerback, I forget what what position he played, drops the interception. Yes, and they're probably not in the Super Bowl if Leonard Fournette, instead of scoring a touchdown to where they have so where Matt Stafford has another right. time to complete those two passes to Cooper Cup. Right. If he just takes a knee on the one, they hold it, kick the field goal, there is no overtime. Let the time run out. Right. So there's all sorts of variables that go into getting to the Super Bowl. Um but I do believe that Derek Carr can get you into the playoffs and get you far in the playoffs. The Super Bowl, you need a whole lot of look. Just look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They had to kick three game-winning field goals. They, you don't think that they got some luck along the way? All of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes t- turning into Patrick from um, uh, what's that show? What's Patrick? The, uh, the, um, the the fish underneath the sea and all that. SpongeBob. Yeah, is there a Patrick in SpongeBob? <laughs> Patrick Star. Yeah, the he star started fish. playing like Patrick the Star, so whatever that guy's name is. I- anyway. That was a little bit of luck for the Bengals, too. Hey, I just want to say thanks to all our guests. You really brought it today. I appreciate it. We're going to keep talking about Derek Carr, the draft, free agency. I want to know what your thoughts are heading into the draft, heading into free agency. What do the Raiders need to do to build around Derek Carr and get this thing to the next level? We'll talk to you tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the Huddle Video Monster. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bajador on Raider Nation Radio.